McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Poppy fans and welcome to PO Forecast episode 73. Well we're continuing where we left off at episode 72 where we're rating all the transfers that the club came in. Joining me on the show again, back again for the same episode, part two, is Freddie Webb and Proudy. Freddie, how are you mate? Glad to be back here, how have you been? I've been good mate, I've been good since we last spoke. Yeah, I've been doing well myself, just as usual getting by, uni's being... As you'd expect, but apart from that, everything's going okay. Nice one, Proudy. How's things? It's good. You know, two days, and uh, this is probably the most consistent I've been all year in terms of content. So uh, glad to be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happened to that Norwich save, Proudy? Oh, it's I, look. I, I will release it. It's it's just I don't even want to spoil it, but it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we're all looking forward to it, mate. And check Proudy out on Twitter and follow his feed. Right, okay. Let's go into it, I suppose. Let's start with the running order. So, first of all, we're going to go in and discuss the club development. Um, we're going to review a little bit about um, what we, how we think the club's done, the ground development. Um, then we're going to go in and give a little rating about how we think the management's gone and tactics. Um, it's always a great subject to talk amongst Pompey fans. And following that, we're going to go through and review the rest of the players who weren't bought in on transfers and give them our ratings out of 10. And then in the end, we can get our player of the season. Now, that might run longer into the third episode. We'll have to wait and see how long it takes us to go through the players. So we'll give it our best go. And you guys might have another episode after this if we cannot finish it in time. Right, let's go. Um It's been an interesting one off the field. Obviously, the ownership situation uh, with the Eisners. uh, There's lots of positivity around the finances. Some people are umming and ahhing about investment and and the youth system. So I think we'll start it off there a little bit because it's something that I'm particularly interested in at the moment with the the release of Bradley Lethbridge. He's a player that I actually personally really liked. And I asked Mark Catlin on the podcast, actually. I said to him, you know, Mark, you know, why are we releasing releasing Bradley etc who I think has got the ability to at least be a good football league player whether that's at Pompey in league one or in league two or or at the championship level or whatever are you guys disappointed that some of these players are being let go and and do you feel the club need an under 23s team in order to succeed Freddie go for it uh well it's always always disappointing when you when you see young players getting ditched at 19 because it, it Unless you're playing football manager, you don't really know how good they're going to be, do you? There are some there are some telltale signs, and not many players before 19 are going to be in this Portsmouth first team, are they? That you'd expect. So yeah, it, not having that little bit of a leg up for for younger players is a bit disappointing. 
I think we lost we lost a play to Bristol Rovers because they had a development side. I can't remember who that is. You might have to jog my memory on that. And Petter Duran as well. We had to release him because he was third choice keeper. Again, no, he had that spot on the Regis, but we couldn't really tell what his potential was from there. So you feel like we're investing all this time into coaching these youngsters, and then you're not giving them the leg up that they would need. It's either a loan move or a guaranteed loan move, or, or they're gone from the squad. So you're thinking, why would you, um, why would you invest, why would you invest in these young players at all if you don't have an under twenty three side? What do you think, Proudy? Uh, yeah, I would probably say it's you know it's disappointing that we don't keep these players on. I think, um, especially for the fans as well, because if you have a player come through the youth ranks and he breaks into the first team, it's sort of someone that you can relate to slightly because a lot of these players have come from the local area or they're from the local area. Uh, some obviously have come from uh, other clubs, but they've worked their way up. And it's just someone that you can sort of relate to a bit. And I think with these players, you know, who we, we end up signing players in, from loads of different clubs and uh, sometimes we do like warm to them like quite a lot but it's not the same as if it was a player from the Portsmouth area or from the south coast um so I think in that respect it is disappointing that we don't have a setup for these players to develop as well as you know that there is a lot of talk about whether these players can develop uh in the under 23 setup compared to actual first team football maybe at a lower level um but I think uh you know we need to have that sort of setup underneath because otherwise we're just going to lose players and some of these players might you know turn out to be world beaters like well actually sorry that's probably step too far but like these players could go up to a high enough level and we've seen it with some players that we've let go in like recent seasons and they've gone to play at a high level and we can't see that because we don't have the setup uh, underneath the first team to see that so yeah it's um hopefully it'll ch- the situation will change but i mean i would like to know why uh, we don't have an under-23 setup, first of all, because quite a lot of teams in League 1 and League 2 have one. Um, we seem to be one of the very few that doesn't. So that's my take on it. No, let's get into it. And I think since I had the interview with Mark Catlin, and I'll come back to what he said, but uh, Dan Smith put something an interview up and he said, uh, I was disappointed to get released at first, but I always had confidence I could come back and make it to that level. Definitely at first I was gutted because I'd be keen. and I've been at the club for the past 10 years. Kenny said he liked me but couldn't offer me a contract because Pompey haven't got an under-23 squad and he couldn't see me being in the first-team squad next season. He was right. I wasn't ready for League One football. It was a shame. But if I'm being honest, they probably did me a favour. I've got free reign now where I want to go. Men's football's better and that's why I'm happy. I'm left looking back on it. Um, I'll get my words right. It had benefited me because I still train full time. If I had stayed at Pompey, I'd been stuck and frustrated. If I'm honest, I don't think it was a good business decision because why would you hang on to someone who can score goals and possibly be worth big money when you're not going to pay them big wages? But I'm happy they made the decision and I left because I'm reaping the rewards. So I, I actually went and watched Dan Smith play a few times. He's been on the podcast as well. Um, he's a, he's a guy with his his head really screwed on. Um, I actually think he's the better prospect, I suppose, out of the two of Dan with Dan Smith and Bradley Lethbridge. Scored a load of goals, and the guys down at Bogner, Bogner seem to think he's destined for big things. When I was interviewing him, he's an obvious player to keep around the squad, in my opinion. Um, and if you have an under twenty threes team, I think what it allows you to do is have another few years where you've got that chance to have a look at these lads. 
you send them out on loan as well. I said this to Mark Catlin, it's not an either or. You don't have to have a system where you go, we've got an under-23s or we loan people out to non-league. That, that's not a choice. You can keep these players and still loan them out to men's football to non-league. So for me, not having this setup means that we get to the stage where we are with Brad Lethbridge or Dan Smith, 19, um, around that sort of age anyway. And then it ends up being a situation where you basically let these guys go instead of having another look at them for maybe two or three more seasons. So that's one thing I'd like to see the club invest in. And I know at the moment, lads, it's difficult, isn't it? Because of the financial situation. So maybe I would beat the drum a little bit harder had it not been for the COVID-19 situation. What do you reckon, Freddie? I still think, though, that under-23 side might be the financial luxury which Portsmouth might need at the moment. Especially with all the situation with COVID, you'll probably see uh, first-team player wages go down. You'll see a change in the ability for certain clubs to pay for players. So it might be that Portsmouth might have to look internally for players in the long term, simply on a financial option. So, And without another 23 side, as you said, it takes away that layer of uh, what what can this player be? Because not not everybody's the finished article at 19. And as Dan Smith said, obviously for most people, men's football is the way to improve. We've seen that countless sports of players who have left, gone to the lower leagues with men's football are now doing really well. Dan Butler, probably one of the bigger examples currently in our league. Matt Ritchie, you can keep going and going. But that under-23 side just gives that bit of extra security for those players because, A, it means you can keep tabs of them instead of releasing them at 19. And it doesn't, again, like you said, it's not an overall. You can still loan them out if you want to. And with loans to non-league and the conference, there's a bigger window to loan clubs out to them rather than just the normal transfer windows. Proudy, you got a take on that, or should we move on to the next topic? Yeah, you move on to the next one. I think Freddie's covered that quite well, in my nice opinion. One. So. Nice one. All right, so let's go into a little bit more on the club infrastructure. The ground, obviously, is being developed. The Milton end looks like a completely different end, doesn't it, people? Mm. Um, the faux Tudor look on it. How are we feeling? Because are we a little bit frustrated about the fact that when we look at the ground, you've got the likes of you know, National Rail apparently having to pay for some sort of, I don't know, bridge that goes all the way from Fratton Station up to the ground or something. Do we think it's realistic that the club are going to be able to develop the ground at Fratton Park and build us that new sort of North Stand? Or is this a pipe dream that's never going to happen? Uh, I'll take this one. Um, yeah. I think uh, th- there's been a lot of talk and I think like the one like theory uh, or is it a theory or plan that I've seen which probably has the sort of most back in was the one where we rotate the pitch. So then um, essentially the Milton end would then become, I think, or where the South stand would be. And it was just rotate at 90 degrees. Um, so then we're able to build uh, like better stands and uh, higher stands as well. Uh, it's probably the only plan I've seen where I feel like that would be a possibility. Um I feel like the grounds, like I, I quite like the ground as it is. I know it's going to have to be uh, redeveloped uh, soon to, you know, uh, keep up with um, like restrictions and stuff like that. You know, and uh, safety measures. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see like un- other than us going to a new stadium. I can't see how we can really redevelop it more than where we are now. Um, I suppose like the North Stand has had a bit of work done to it. Uh, I know I, I remember seeing a picture. I think maybe when the Eisners took over, it was the first season. And it was just the way that the uh, stand was being held up. And I thought, this is shocking Like for a, a club like our size uh, to have like 
a stand being held up by pretty much scaffolding. Uh, and it wasn't like very well held up either. So, yeah, I think um, if we were to rotate the pitch, uh, maybe, but that's going to be like what, a couple of years, maybe three or four years until we even think about doing that. So, I, yeah. think, the, I think the question really is how, what, what is your aim for redeveloping the stadium? Are you, do you want a more cautious approach where you redevelop a lot of it in terms of health and safety and so on, but don't build up the capacity too much and leave it as it is? Or do you want some ambitious projects and say, I think Portsmouth can get at the at championship level 30, 35,000 people at the ground every week. So they build a new stadium or they rotate the pitch 90 degrees to allow, to allow the bigger stands. I see the former is probably what the ISIS are going to do if they keep if they keep the club at Fratton Park, which I think they will do. I think Michael Isis said it enough that he that he loves Fratton Park, and he said that ever since he um, before he even bought the club, he, was, he, he said it was um, an old Tudor house that he would love to redevelop. And well, I believe him on that. It just depends how ambitious his um, plans actually are in terms of um, investment, because I think. The network rail thing soured a lot of people because it basically said it, it, it seemed a bit too much of a pipe dream to make someone else pay for the infrastructure around Fratton Park. It's a very American idea of looking at it. You see, club, you see clubs and um, the cities that they're built in arguing with each other back and forth. Oh, we need a new stadium. You're, you're going to have to invest in this. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's going to happen here in England, are you? No, not really. I mean, if you look at Calgary in Canada, even they tried to borrow six hundred million from the taxpayer in order to redevelop their hockey stadium. Um, same for Ottawa. I can't see that happening in a similar this thing country. Happened in Ed- a similar thing happened in Edmonton, where they actually got that stadium, and it was around four or five hundred million dollars, or something ridiculous like that. And it's Portsmouth. I don't see. I, I don't see that happening at all. I think the council will help as much as they can, but I don't see them investing millions and millions of pounds. Do you? Yeah. Newsflash, right here, people. Um, the council do have money. So if they're listening and someone's saying the council don't have any money, it's rubbish. They do. Um, but are they? Should they be investing in the football club? I don't know. I think. Do we want to? If guys, do we actually want to keep it at Fratton Park? Because I actually don't really want us to move to some out of you know city stadium you know in the middle of i don't know outside Cosham or wherever um do we want to move off the island to build a new stadium or do we would you want to stay where we are absolutely not i think i probably have a different opinion of it since i usually go to fratton park since i live up north once or twice a year so i have a very romantic ideal of what fratton park is like it's almost like a holiday to go there sometimes I wouldn't want to go outside of the city to uh, to what would look like a, a concrete block, like with stadiums like Rotherham. Have you seen Have you seen Brentford's new ground? It looks like, mm. it looks like a, a soulless bowl compared to what Griffin Park looked like, and loads of people said that that stadium wasn't very good in the first place. So no, I would take I would take all the faults of Fratton Park with maybe limitations on development and capacity and so on just to stay there. And I think I think you can redevelop it and make it more of a 21st century stadium without moving to a new one. Proudy? I, I mean, with uh, Fratton Park, I, I've, I think a few of my friends have come down to the ground and they said they fell in love with it pretty much straight away. And I said, I was the exact same. Like the first time I went to the ground, I fell in love with it. And it's that old school feeling. I think 
with a lot of new grounds you see nowadays, they seem to lose the atmosphere a bit. And I worry that we may do the same. Like I know Pompey fans have been, you know, classed as one of the best like sets of supporters, like for atmosphere in the country by lots of other fans. But I think there comes to a point where if you build a stadium, which is brand new and it's out of the city, you might lose the atmosphere a bit, especially if fans get moved around. So especially like who sit mainly in the fraternity end uh, and, or they are dispersed a little bit, which is my biggest worry because I think when we get behind the team, I think we can beat anyone. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's sort of different. Like I wouldn't mind the new stadium. I wouldn't mind, but it depends where it is. And but then again, I'm also one of those that loves Fratton Park. How it is like it's very rare to find old school grounds like Fratton Park nowadays in football. So um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a difficult one for me. Like I'd probably say if I had to choose, I'd probably say I'd stay at Fratton Park and redevelop it. But obviously, it's just which plan is most sustainable. Yeah, and I think. What- think about what's what's happened with West West Ham over the years because Mm. they were promised the world with with all the money that was going to go into the Olympic Stadium and now look at them they haven't uh, the the team hasn't improved on the pitch and everything that they gave and many West Ham fans I've talked to have said everything that they gave up by moving from Upton Park hasn't worked Mm. so and and what is and what is there to say that that what that same thing won't happen at Portsmouth you said just because Arsenal you get, as well. Yeah, and Arsenal, yeah. precisely. Just because you build a higher stadium, a larger stadium rather, doesn't mean A, you're going to fill it every week, B, it's going to have the same atmosphere, and C, that the, that the players on the pitch will actually pay better, and that the club will instantly grow just because of a new stadium. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tiny bit of a fallacy in that regard. So I think, I think, I think there are the, those, those are all the things that you have to consider on that. I mean, Proudy, first of all, Arsenal never had any atmospheres. You can you can wipe that uh, point out. Well, at, at Highbury during the 90s, you'd probably say they were up there. But like nowadays, definitely not. No, no. It's, I'm, I disagree, but we'll move on. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, secondly, I think we'll just say that whatever happens, I know it's easy for us fans to complain and, and um, you know worry about it, and that's fair enough, but... It's obviously a very complex issue, isn't it? And, you know, we all want a, a 30,000, 35,000 capacity ground that doesn't that doesn't change Fratton Park and keeps all the original features and, you know, um, stays in the same place and everything. But I think delivering that sort of um, mecca as such, it, you know, can be difficult for whoever owns the club. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let's go into, let's go into the season review. Um, Kenny Jacket, the management team. It's been, it's been an up and down journey this season, isn't it? With Kenny Jacket, you know, we started off the season we had high expectations. We spoke about this on the, on the last podcast. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. You know, we all said that we thought we'd get automatic promotion. That was our expectation after the summer of recruitment. And then we went in the season. We spoke about this all year, but it, it, it crashed and burned at the start of the season. Do you think that Kenny Jacket can we can look back on him this season as having a season that at least keeps him in the job? at least keeps the fans happy and has everyone rallied behind him in the majority now is it just a majority of a minority sorry of fans you think that are are completely banging the drama jacket out or do you think is the Fratton Park crowd divided now people or do you think we're back together a little bit more I mean there's loads of questions put in there but this is just my thoughts coming out um Proudy do you feel that we've managed to galvanize a bit more behind the manager is Kenny Jacket shaking it up and got the players playing um 
It's a bit of a difficult one because I, I think like the fans haven't warmed to him uh, as much. I think in the first season he came in, like he did a really good job uh, with us. Like, cause I think there was quite a bit of expectation that we we might actually go up straight away from League Two because it seems to happen quite a bit. Like teams of League Two go straight up to League One and then straight up to the Championship. I like Luton, especially as an example recently. Um, but I think as the seasons have gone on, like his tactics seem to have been found out more and you know there's a lot of talk like every week that uh, Pompey have played uh, and we haven't won or we've you know failed to uh, get a result a lot of it's gone down to the tactics and how like we play uh, it's very one dimensional uh, we don't seem to switch it up uh, sometimes can be very boring to watch even when we win uh, you know i think uh, a lot of fans just want like exciting football especially like nowadays, it's it's going to be hard to get excited football and win unless you're like Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. That's unless you're like the top of the prem. That's the only time you're going to see exciting football that wins. Um, but I think I don't know. The front part crowd seems to seems to be more. I'd say no, I wouldn't say vicious. It's probably not the right word. But like if we if we're not performing uh, well, especially with the tactics that Kenny plays. Um, we just seem to just get on the players' back so much quicker than I feel like we used to. Um, I don't know whether it's just because expectations are a lot higher now and we're not seen as the underdog in a lot of the games that we play in League One. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think I think like if uh, if Jacket was to leave tomorrow, I don't think I don't think a lot of Pompey fans would be too disappointed about it. Which sounds a bit harsh, seeing as where he's got us recently, but that's just how I see it. I think, yeah, I think the main thing that proudly mentioned that you could look at, look to there is expectation. Um, K. Jackie did a great job in his first season. Basically, did the perfect season for solidifying the team in the division by finishing seventh and watching the way they played, and Brett Pittman scoring twenty five as well. But then, as soon as as soon as they finished seventh like that, and then the players they got in in that January, in that summer and January. People thought, oh, it's time for a promotion now. We we steadied, we said it was a steady season, and they thought they would push on from there. And ever since, I think the the thing that changed a lot of people's minds was how we were top at Christmas, looking comfortable, some uh, very very good football by Christmas. It was it wasn't dull to watch by any manner of means. It was direct, but it wasn't aimless like we've seen it in many games this season and last. The thing that soured it for a lot of people was that playoff series against Sunderland which was atrocious oh, two of the worst performances I've seen all of that season yeah yeah I know sorry to bring it up again but <laughs> that 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 was the main thing that changed a lot of people's opinions on the manager and I don't think many people have changed their minds since that even when even when ports have played better there there are people complaining every time someone mentions Kane Jacket being good as a good as a manager they go Oh, but he only gives a shit about the the leasing.com trophy, even though he rotates his side every week for that until the semi-final. But we'll not talk about that. I still think there's a divide in terms of people who want Kane Jacket as the manager or not. There are some people who would accept the side staying in League One for more attractive football. Others want both, which is very, very hard, as, as you know. But I think this might be a controversial opinion to some. But considering everything's going uh, going on at the moment, Change is probably the worst thing that can happen. Getting in a new manager, depending on who it is, and maybe retooling the side, considering that all the stuff's going on. We don't know how much players are going to cost. We don't know what players are going to be available. Changing the side might be the worst thing. And maybe sticking with Kenny for another season 
and most of the same squad and relying on other teams getting worse financially and on the pitch as well, that might be what the board go for. The low risk approach where you don't change anything in uh, a period of time where, where everything's going wrong. Do you think it's fair to say that my opinion was that, you know, he had the season. Um, I've been saying this all year. You know, the club are going to let him play out the season and they're going to judge him on what happened at the end of the season. So if he got promoted automatically or whatever, they'd keep him on. Playoffs was if he got promoted out of those, they'd keep him on. If if he was, you know, we didn't get promoted, but he stayed in the playoffs. I don't know. It'd be questionable. And if we missed the playoffs, you know, I thought he probably would have gone and they would have tried someone new. Do you think it's a case of saved by the COVID a little bit for Kenny Jacket uh, for a team that now, well, we'll use the official league table, but in fourth place um, and the season's been stopped prematurely. I suppose in that sense, I think we're probably destined for another season with Kenny Jacket at the helm, unless anyone disagrees with that in particular. I, I can't see the club now coming out and saying no targets have been met or anything like that. I think it's fair to say that it'd be quite shocking now to hear um not in a sort of yeah, emotional it, way, but they'd sack him. Yeah, how, how could you judge him on end-of-season targets when the season technically hasn't finished? So I think he's got a leg to stand on there. I, uh, but again, like similar to what that that low-risk strategy I said earlier, why would they risk changing it all now, considering because they don't know what the shape of football is going to be in six months? Mm. They might think, we'll keep Kenny Jacket for, another, for, for the next season, and that will be effectively what this season would have been in terms of expectations and so on. So I don't, there's no way that I don't see any way that they a sack him or B he'll leave. And I think a lot of fans, if they don't like it, they're going to have to lump it. Unfortunately, uh, my opinions on him have been mixed as you probably see. I, I, I said he should have been sacked in around January. I lost my mind on this very show talking about the way they play <laughs> and so on. But also in many games, we, we, we've seen improvement ever since Christmas. We've yeah. seen the improvement in Portsmouth sides with Seddon and Cameron McGeehan coming in. So it's not as if he's entirely inept as a manager that we're talking about here. It's just the little things. And we know what those little things are. The little things, the little tactical decisions that that might mean they lose when it matters. Because, well, the last game I saw Portsmouth was away at Fleetwood. and We weren't very good for 60 minutes until Marcus Harness came on it as a number 10. And then that was it. We were, too, we were dead and gone by then. Yeah, yeah. No, it's frustrating. I think all of us, you know, from watching, you know, the game of Pompey, just know that what well, I would like to see a more attractive, you know, well, style of football at Fratton Park. Um, I think we all deserve that. But at the same time, you know, you could have got us promoted this year. Then you're in a and different different situation. So I, I was just going to point out quickly, though, that he's got one year left on his contract. For fans that don't know, people who are listening who don't know that, it's quite unusual for a manager to go into a season with only one year left on his contract and not have any talks to renew that contract. And I assume if they do renew a contract, it's not going to be for just one year. Yeah, exactly. So if they, if they do renew the contract, they're going to have to entirely stick by him on that front. I think it sets up nicely that he's got that year left. I mean, why not? I mean, uh, uh, and the same thing of a lot of people who don't like Kenny Jacket and want him sacked. I never see them give a realistic replacement or name a replacement at all. So why do we do that? If we it, let's just say that Portsmouth were to sack Kenny Jacket tomorrow, who could you see replacing him that would make a difference? Really? Good question. Nice one, proud. Nice one, proudly. Take that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was well. 
I, I have two options. Co- I have two options in my head, but I'll let you guys think mull it over first. Um, I mean, just I'm just thinking like the one the one option that people always seem to come back to, and I'm not sure why it's always this man, but and it obviously uh, his uh, situation at his club is looking more precarious by the second, but like Paul Cook, uh, whether he would even be the man. Like he was great in League Two. But like the players he had at his disposal, like allowed him to play the system. I don't think the players that we have in the team right now can even play that. Like I don't think players like John Marquis or Ellis Harris. Well, Ellis Harrison would probably suit it, but like John Marquis would definitely not suit the sort of possession-heavy football that we played under Cook. Um, uh, I think the wingers would flourish under it, but not like John Marquis, who we spend big money on. Um, he doesn't flourish under this system either, it seems. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's true. Um, we just, we probably just get the uh, Donny manager in. Um, no, I, I, to be fair, like if we're talking about like entertaining football, as um, Hugh said, like the only manager who's managed to get his team scoring a lot of goals this season in League One is uh, Darren Ferguson at Peterborough. But that also yet again, you see this from also, the front yeah. three. That he has. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say his front three is. Ten times better than probably our front three. Like they got Ivan Tony, Rolando, Ar- no, Rolando Aaron's is at Wickham, isn't he? Uh, Ivan Tony um, was Marcus Madison. It was Marcus and, Madison, but he's gone. And Mo Isaac and Dembele. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, then maybe he would, if he came in, then he would bring those sort of players into the club. Like I don't know. Um, yeah, it's kind of a difficult question. I I've never really thought about alternative managers. Uh, I was also in the sort of jacket out. Brigade after the Accrington Stanley defeat, but I've sort I think of... everybody was. Yeah. <laughs> I think by that point, that 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 game that I went to, which was my second one up there with the worst away performances I'd seen from Pompey, and both that Coventry and that Burton game, I think a lot of people said that Kenny Jacket should have been sacked at that point. I did. I tweeted it. Yeah. I'm sure you everybody everybody on here did as well. So. Yeah, it's, well, I can't think of an alternative that was very much time. So. I mean, I, I actually wanted Stendhal to come here after leaving Barnsley. I thought that would, would have been a good move. I know he's flopped in Scotland, but that doesn't really mean much because both of them go both ways, don't they? Scottish managers come here and flop and, and vice versa. Um, it's a very diff- different game. Um, lads, it's quite funny. Adam, our editor at Pompey News now, just sent me a message saying he's just sent me an article that James Robbins has wrote for the website and it's titled, Opinion, Kenny Jacket, it's time to grab your jacket. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised that he's written that now? I swear he's he's got a visceral hatred of that man, honestly. Well, me, me and James are stood together in the in the Wimbledon end. Yeah, me, James, and Sam Stone, who, who's often on this podcast as well on Express, and he um, on Pompey Live, and he literally we stood there, and it was one of the most awful games away at, at AFC Wimbledon. I don't know if you remember that game away from home. And I remember at the end of it, you know, watch the fans, you know, all shouting, jack it out and stuff. And I thought that that, that moment that it might happen, but. Um, I can see what James is saying. He's really just going on about the same sort of thing as we're on about. But apart from, he says, according to a recent poll by us guys at Pompey News now, 53% of fans who voted in our poll believe we would have lost in the playoffs. Um, uh, it, it entirely depends. Well, we know that the playoff is a lottery, isn't it? Exactly. It, it, it would have been entirely dependent on if we got into the, that top two. And arguably, we could have done. the four, uh, As usual, the form picked up around january to march and then it went 50 50 again but i don't know can you can you really i I don't see the board justifying changing everything now and this is someone this is coming from someone who's 
absolutely hated Kay Jacket's tactics on certain occasions and thought we needed a new manager. And I've got I've written down three alternatives on who you could have, but I don't see the board changing anything now, do you? Just before we get into those alternatives, Freddie, I'm just going to read this poll out. It was done on the 8th of March. This is prior to the Fleetwood game. Um, Pompey currently in sixth in, in, in League One on 69, uh, 59 points. Sorry, The votes were automatics, playoffs promoted, playoffs defeats or miss out on playoffs. 15.7% thought we'd get the automatics. 21.4% thought we'd get promoted from the uh, by the playoffs. 53% thought we would be defeated in the playoffs. And 9.7% believed that we'd miss out on the playoffs altogether. Um, that does show a little bit of a negative atmosphere around the team, doesn't it? Oh, it does, precisely. Mm. And, I, I, and I think, it, again, it linked to the expectation problems, which we all have mentioned. The expectation was promotion. And many people are now have got that negative mindset since we don't, since obviously we can't get promoted now because the season's probably going to be over, they go, "Oh, we're going to have this manager for another year, and it's all going to be horrible." But we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Freddie, fire us those alternatives, and then we're going to move on. Oh, those alternatives! I'll go through them fairly quickly. It might be a topic we'd maybe bring up again for another show. The first one you've already mentioned, Daniel Stendel. I tweeted that he probably should have been a new manager after he got sat by Barnsley. Yes. Hearts are terrible. We, uh, I knew that. I've, I watched a couple of games when they're playing in Scottish Scottish league, and they were dreadful. But I think that was entirely down due to the fact that it was a uh, saving a sinking ship job. So I don't think you can. Ju- I don't think you can look at that that much. I don't think. But mm-hmm. that Barnsley team, I, I saw them away. Away, Bulls would play away there, and they're really good on the ball, fast, high pressing, attacking football. And, and you saw bits of that in the championship with Barnsley. So that's one example that you could have. <clears throat> Second option, maybe, because we don't know the ownership um, structure of this club, it might go to the wall. Lee Bowyer. Last season, Charlton were arguably the best side in the division, even with Barnsley and Luton going up automatically. They played some excellent football. They played a diamond formation, which Portsmouth might arguably don't have the players for so he might have to retool it a bit but I think he'd be a good option if he was to leave there for any reason and then the third option the project option which I think with during Covid I don't think you take this one purely because you have to retool a lot of the side maybe and it'd be a manager learning on the job Ian Everts at Barrow and everybody's looked at Barrow now since they've been in the media and so on for not getting promoted because the National League has expired but they, they've arguably played some of the best fo- football of any team getting promoted in the National League. They're top by, I think they had 83 points, probably wrong on that. But they're ahead of Notts County and their ridiculous budget for that division by playing possession-based, high-intense attacking football. And that's what a lot of people want. And I just listened to a podcast where Ian Everts was on and he'd learnt under Paul Kirk, he'd learnt under Steve Round. And maybe that's the new modern manager that could be really good at Portsmouth as his next stepping stone on the career ladder. Hmm. Pretty good options, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, again, <clears throat> it comes down to: do, do you want to rip everything up now? Is now the right time to do that? And I don't, I don't see them doing it. Yeah, I, I think um, I was going to say that 
like the way that because I think if you give like a manager like two or three years because it's very hard to have a manager in well nowadays it doesn't seem like it's uh, that common now like a manager will be at a club for two to three years um, after not getting out of a division which he probably would have been out of by now uh, and once again it's just the way that Kenny's built the squads to his tactics and I know what you mean like if we just get rid of Kenny now we're going to have to bring the manager that will suit those players. And it's very difficult because, you know, they're, they're only going to be suited to one system and then they're going to have to redo a whole new system over the summer. It's going to take time again to readjust. Uh, some players would adapt to it quicker than others. Um, I think defensively, like we're probably quite good under Kenny, but under a different manager, I think we would be exposed a bit more because um, we might end up playing just Naylor as a, a sole DM. Uh, rather than uh, like in a two, so yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think uh, if Kenny stays, and I'm not gonna like complain about it, but it's not really. Um, there's not really many alternatives. I don't think many people would be in love with the idea, but it depends. Do, do, do you assume a new manager would fix everything already? Mm. Exactly. That's the question, mate. Isn't it? That's the question. All right, let's go for it. Let's do the squads quickly. We, we know the format. Um, we'll go around the table. We'll ask everyone's opinion, and then we will give them a rating out of 10. Um, let's start in goal. Uh, Craig McGivery, it's been a difficult season for Craig, isn't it? Um, and Freddie, start us off on that, mate. It has been, surprisingly so. For, uh, from January, I didn't expect Alex Bass to be the new keeper. So it's very, it's very strange. I didn't think his performances were bad before January. But I don't think they lit the world on fire either. He had some problems with commanding his area a bit, and it's been a, it, it's been very weird for him now that he's um, the sub keeper. I'm not sure what you do with him. Will he accept another season where he's he's lost his number one spot to Alex Bass, and will he get it back next season? Probably not. So will he accept another season on the bench? That's arguable. So. I'd, I'm not sure how much more you'll see of him at Fratton Park, honestly. Friday? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, like like Freddie said, I was a bit surprised when he got dropped uh, in January and then hasn't uh, played since. Because I think the first game he got dropped for, I thought, oh, he probably just it's probably just one game, he probably just got an injury. And then as the weeks went on and he still wasn't breaking into the side, um, it was quite clear that he'd now become second choice. And... It's it's kind of a strange one because I don't want him to leave because I feel like he could strengthen a lot of teams in our league and he could even play at like um, the division above us. Um, but it's yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Like we'll we'll have to see what Kenny uh, does uh, for the rest of the season if we restart whether Bass will play uh, for the rest of the year. Like Bass has played well, but I mean Craig, you know, is on his form at, like broke into the Scotland team, which was a. Uh, quite a uh, surprise I think for um, quite a few people so yeah it's a bit disappointing uh, that he's, he's ended like this but I'm sure he'll uh, break into the team again someday. Yeah the last game he played was the away game at Milton Keynes on the 29th so just before the January transfer window mm. Mm. I was at that game it was um, that was well, the last league game he played. he played he played in two uh, leasing.com trophies after that but that was it the last time he, the last time he was on the pitch in Portsmouth was on the twenty first of January. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised to be honest that he's been ousted in that sense. I suppose is, is a fair way of putting it. Um, 
especially after breaking into the Scotland squad. I know there's a bit of interest from Rangers, but they didn't want to pay the money that we wanted to sell him for. Um, it's a difficult one. He's obviously a good keeper. He, he came in last season and made such a difference having that class, steady goalkeeper that we haven't had for absolute donkey's years, have we? We've, we've gone through the times with Simon Eastwoods and all those others, Jamie Ashdown, and you know the list goes on, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm disappointed that Craig's not around the squad, but... It's a difficult one. I think we'll sell him. I can't. I can't see any other way around this situation. I don't think he's going to want to stay as a number two. He's in the sort of prime of his career, going into breaking into the national side, and he's suddenly being dropped at club level. So, you know, he's supposed to be a great guy as well. He always seems pretty funny. Always quite involved in the community. So, I think it's one of those situations that he'll go somewhere else and will end up um, starting and doing well. And, and as Proudy said, I think he probably could play at Championship level. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear in a few years' time, or maybe a lot more years' time, in six, seven years' time, we've managed to get him to come on this podcast and, and ask him what happened. And I think there's going to be a story to be told there. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, Freddie, round table, what's your score? Uh, again, he hasn't had a bad season, I don't think. There were a couple of niggles, but I think it was down to a choice of the manager in the end. And I think it was more down to Alex Bass holding the number one spot rather than Craig losing it. So I'd still give him a six out of 10. So a goalkeeper. Proudy. Um, I think stats wise this year, like, I mean, I'm looking at, he's only conceded 26 and 20, which I mean, is not a bad return for a goalkeeper. Uh, I'd probably say six as well. Um, just because of like how the season's just ended up for him really. Yeah, I'm going to give him a six as well, but I don't think he's had much more opportunity really to, to improve on that. And his, his, his clean sheets, you know, I think his goal returns have been pretty decent in goals, so stopping goals, but we'll see what happens to that one. Let's move on. Alex Bass, um, obviously the big winner in the Craig McGivery situation. You know, we've all wanted to see Bassey develop as well. You know, we talk about young players coming through the squad and then we're wondering why uh, he's broken in and, and, got, and got the number one shirt. So... Freddie, what's your take on actually the other way around? Proudy, what's your take on on Bassey? Do you think that he's the future in goal? You've been happy with him because his stats have been really impressive, haven't they? Yeah, they have been. Um, he he has been a surprise. Um, as I said, like earlier with Craig, like, I thought that Bass would come in for a game or two uh, just to see if. Uh, well, I thought Craig may have picked up an injury in the MK Don's defeat, but then obviously it was just his performance that caused him to be dropped. Um, but yeah, Bass has surprised me. Like he's a confident keeper for his age. Uh, you know, he's been thrown really at the deep ends in League One because I think uh, I can't remember whereabouts we were in the league um, when we lost MK Dons. I, I think uh, where was it? I think we were around like tenth or ninth or something like that. So obviously he was thrown in a deep end. That was when we were starting to ascend the table. So you know, he there was a bit of pressure on him, but. I mean, the way that he's like conducted himself over the last few months, I mean, I can't really fault him at all. Seven clean sheets in uh, 15 League One games. I mean, you know, for a keeper of his age, like, you know, who's just been thrown in, I mean, there's not really many negatives I could say about him. I, I think there's probably maybe a few question marks over some of his decision-making, but, I mean, it will come with time that he'll improve on that. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm quite happy with him in goal. Whether... He's the future keeper for us. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but, you know, Kenny knows him better than I do. So we have to wait and see. He's been yeah. an excellent keeper in the side, hasn't he, really? I mean, <clears throat> he had a wobble at the beginning where he, where he saw a couple of mistakes. But 
the key thing is he never gave up that spot, did he? He kept it going. Very good command of his area. A lot of clean sheets. And yeah, I don't, uh, and he's only 22, 21. So, uh, so you'll have to assume with all this extra experience, he's going to get better. And that makes you think, why would you keep Craig McGivery if Alex Bass continues the form that he is? It's just a punt whether he will do next season or not, considering this long break. If you, uh, the, the ideal is to keep both of them, but is that realistic considering that Bass has already effectively taken the number one spot? But this season he's been great. I can't really fault him that much. No, I think he, I think if he carries on this trajectory, etc., I don't see why he can't be our goalkeeper for a long time. Obviously, it's only half a season, so it's um, it's a short one. Well, not even half a season, is it? Um, it's it's a short section, I suppose, to analyse properly. But no, he's looking good. The management obviously like him. New contract, um, and I think for Alex Bass. You know, we want to see these young players get a chance, and he did really well. I think it was at Torquay, wasn't it? I always get mixed up which uh, little southwest town it was, but I think it was Torquay he's playing for. Uh, I think he got five clean sheets and six or something at the beginning of the season for them when he was out on loan. And, you know, they've always really rated him, and he's come back here. I thought he looked solid when he came in for Pompey in cup games and things like that. So, yeah, I'm happy Bass has got a good chance. He had definitely hasn't looked like a downgrading goal, um, which is a pretty big. Um, which is pretty high praise, really, considering how much I like Craig McGivery as well. So I think Alex had a really good season, um, and I hope that we we ride him into next season and he continues with that confidence that he's shown this season. All right, let's go around the table, Proudy. Uh, I'll give him an eight. Like um, as I said, you know, being thrown at deep ends and his age uh, being taken into consideration. I mean, he's been brilliant, and I'm sure he'll improve as the season goes on. Um, uh, whether depending on the league we're in next year, whether he's going to be first choice as I said, remains to be seen. I think you have to give him an 8 out of 10, don't you? I don't think, I don't see how you can give him any less for the way that he's uh, stepped up to the plate. And yeah, it's just that it, it might be even be a 1A, 1B in a situation next season where the goalkeepers rotate a bit. But I don't know. I, I, I think that this season, Bass has been really well and one of the surprises of this season. And I'm going to come in and give Bassie a 9. I actually think that a young player, you know, to come in, especially in goal, with all the pressure that we know that comes in that situation, um, in front of a Fratton Park crowd that can be a little bit temperamental, as we spoke about earlier on. I'm, I'm mightily impressed with Alex Bass, and his stats are right up there with every goalkeeper across all four leagues this season, not just in League One. He, he's undoubtedly been the, uh, I could say, maybe young player of the year for Pompey to come through. Um and yeah, I'm really impressed with Alex Bass and uh, I just hope he can keep it up really into next season um, or the end of this season if it carries on playing. Okay, cool. Um, I don't think there's much point going into Luke McGee. Is anyone actually interested in talking about him? Bless him. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm glad he got his move away though and he started playing. So. No, I'm happy yeah. as well. Did he, did he actually play for Bradford much? Uh, uh, I think he ended up on the bench after the first four games. Like oh, he, I think no. he played the first four and then uh, he got benched again. So oh, it's, it's not it's not really worked out for him at Bradford either. But yeah, he's a decent keeper. It's just you know he's not the first choice anymore and probably not even the second choice here. So yeah, yeah. All right, we wish you well, Luke Mickey. Seems like a nice bloke. Uh, let's move on to the defence. I reckon we can try and wrap up the defence and then do the midfield and the striking section in the next episode. So Lee Brown. Was first choice left back last season, undoubtedly. This season, he's had a lot more competition at the back. We spoke about Steve Seddon coming in in January. Obviously, he had that injury at the start of the season as well. 
Um, there's a lot of discussion about him and Brandon Houndstrup, who you want to play on that left back and left hand side. But let's just focus on Lever right now. I'll start us off. Um, I actually probably like Lee Brown a bit more than most people, I suppose, who are who are Pompey fans and watching it and well talking about him on Twitter and stuff. Um, I thought his relationship with Ronan Curtis was fairly all right. He got forward okay. He does need to work on his final delivery, I think, in order to create more goal-scoring opportunities. I think you could argue that Brandon Hounsworth's probably a bit more technical, um, a bit quicker, etc. But there was there was there was definitely a time where I looked at Lee and just thought, okay, well, Ronan Curtis really struggled for a while when he didn't have someone a bit more experienced um, playing behind him. Um, you know, we had people like. Uh, walks or whoever playing at left back I thought that he looked a little bit more laggy and I think he needed a little bit of a kick up the arse but that's happened pretty much with um, with Steve Seddon coming in so that's sort of blown that out of the water I think it's fair to say that Leeds had a pretty disappointing season even by his standards I reckon he'd probably say the same by that and he's definitely slipped a little bit out of the out of fan you know, being a fan, not fan favourite, but maybe up there with one of the uh, players that, you know, fans liked and thought it was important to have around the squad. He's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a scapegoat, even I'd say more. But um, yeah, it's been a tough season for Lee Brown, I'd say. And uh, I'm sure all of us would probably say that, you know, is he is he going to stay? Um, has he, what's, his contract's up fairly soon, isn't it? Uh, I would like to say most of our players are on three-year contracts, but I'll probably assume he's one of the few who isn't. Um, I'll look it up. Yeah, I, I don't think I've got it on me right now. Oh, no, yeah, his contract's up at the end of the season. Um, yeah. Does he yeah. stay? I think I think they'll potentially give him another contract, it, depending obviously on the Steve Seddon situation and who comes in or whatever, and obviously Brandon Houndstrip as well. Um, I sort of feel like the club is more likely to to release Brandon but what, what do you reckon Freddie? Uh, on the Lee Browns it, it, it's very strange with Lee Brown because for a while Lee Brown was a solid 7 out of 10 left back yeah. last season he was incredibly well with that defensive unit this season I haven't liked his performances at all It's it's not it, it hasn't been close to what it was last season and yes Lee Brown is used as a stick to beat people who like Kane Jacket with due to the fact that oh he, he's slow he can't get forward he can but with Steve Seddon coming into the side, he looks nowhere near what Steve Seddon can do. And if you look at the attributes that Brendan Houndstrup has, it, when he was playing at right back on his wrong side, he linked up with Marcus Harness very well in the games I saw him play at right back. On his natural side, I think he can do what Steve Seddon can do better than Lee Brown can. And I think it will come down to whether the manager wants to keep the experience around rather than the younger player or the younger player who's better suited to the system, in my opinion. It might, it, and then the question is, is Lee Brown at the luxury that you get rid of? When I say luxury, I don't mean, obviously, that's the last thing that some people think of when, I, when you say Lee Brown. But for Kenny Jacket to want a senior player, a reliable player, and I think he's been reliable in certain games, but he's losing it a bit, in my opinion. <sighs> I'm not sure if you keep him. I would rather have Brendan Houndstrup at left back. If you can secure Steve Seddon. If you can't, then you you could someone could make an argument for keeping Lee Brown for another year. He probably won't sign another one year deal. You probably have to give him a two year deal and then try and sell him when he's over thirty, which might be might be tricky for some people. So yeah, very tough one. He hasn't he hasn't had the good he hasn't had the good season, but 
you still see him sticking around, though, I think. Yeah, I think um, it, it's, it's a bit of a strange one because I... I I quite like his personality. Um, he's got quite a, quite a good personality squad. He seems to be well-liked. Uh, I think there was a bit of... I think his sort of popularity with the fans went down quite a bit earlier this season because I can't remember the game uh, we played, but we didn't win. And then I remember he tweeted something which was said in quite a sarcastic tone about how the fans were brilliant, even though the fans were pretty much booing the side. It was also that news article where... Yeah, it was talking, it it, it, yeah, yeah, it was that news article where apparently, which made him look like he said that sometimes when when they're under pressure that they have to clear the ball long mm. and go direct all the time. But yeah, that was, most, yeah, pe- most people ignored that, but some people have... Yeah, I can understand that. I think he didn't help the situation by uh, what he said as well, because I think a lot of players know that, you know, you can say something and it will get taken out of context no matter what, um, no matter where you say it. Uh, But I think on his performances, you know, away uh, on the pitch, I mean, he's a a decent player to have. But as you said, if we didn't have Steve Seddon, then I think, you know, we probably would be saying that Lee Brown would stay for another year. But now we have Steve Seddon in uh, and I'm, in the same boat as you, I hope Brandon signs a new contract. You know, I've always uh, rated Brandon, uh, even in like uh, when he was in League Two and our first season, in League One, and he came in for a bit. I thought he was really solid. Um, yeah, it. I would have. I would have been upset if Lee Brown leaves. Like he's he's a decent player to have, and he will have a good career in like League One uh, and League Two. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't see him staying on later on the season. And looking to expectation again. Why would you re-sign a player where you think if Portsmouth got promoted to the championship, would they play? Mm. Why would you re-sign those players? If that if that's the ambition, which Mark Catlin said at the beginning of the season, it was promotion or bust. So it seems slightly hypocritical that you might re-sign Lee Brown on the, uh, on a multi-year deal, which he will want, if the aim is promotion out of the championship. Because in the long term, you'd probably have to sell him for not a lot of money. I mean, I mean, when you think about it, though, and I think this is going to be maybe the deciding factor. I think Brandon Houndstrip now, he's at that age where he actually needs to go and play football. He needs to go and play regular first-team football at a club where he can play left-back, um, you know, for 80% of the games in the season. And if it's the case that Pompey do sign Steve Seddon or do put someone else there in front of him, Kenny Jackett does seem to favour bringing Lee Brown back in when he can instead of, Brandon Houndstrip, I think you'll find that actually it's more likely they give Lee Brown a one to two year whatever contract and let Brandon Houndstrip go to a different club because there was interest in him in January. Other clubs have taken notice about his performance, the fact he's younger, etc. I think Houndstrip now at 23 years old needs to go and go and play football. And I, I don't see him wanting to come and be third choice left back for Pompey next season. Um, and whilst I do think you could bring another player in and potentially rotate them with, with Lee Brown and he would try and fight for his place more as, as a veteran player. I think that's more likely than Brandon, who let's be honest, has been not really given a fair, a fair shot really, is he? Overall, this season, he hasn't. No, no. Uh, even, even if you don't get Steve Sutton back and you still got Houndstrup and Brown, why would you, with the performances that Brown has put in, why would you put him ahead of Brendan Houndstrup? at this point uh, personally i don't get it I, I, I it's not really about getting it though for houndstrip it's where do you want to do you want to play are pompey going to give you that that 
are they going to give him the opportunity now? Is he going to sign for two years? Is he going to get to play any games? Was he going to play 20 games by 25? Do you know what I mean? I think he'll want to go and find somewhere where he can play, you know? He'd be better off going somewhere... Well, I'm just trying to think of a team that, you know, in the middle of League One, who, you know, a decent club-ish, with, you know, um, I don't know, a middle-of-the-table League One side, like Sunderland, for instance. Um, I don't know, something like that. He can go and play. I, I really don't think that... He's, he'll stay here unless Kenny Jacket decides to give him the reins. So let's go around the table, mate, um, and let's do both the players since we've done both of them in one go. Um, Lee Brown first, Freddie. Uh, I'd give Lee Brown a five, below average. Some games, some games he's played as you'd expect him to, some games he hasn't. So yeah, I think a five is a reasonable score for that. And Brendan Houndstrup, again, we haven't seen as much as him as I would have liked. But whenever I have seen him, he's always put in a shift, especially out of position as well. Even on his wrong foot, he was linking up with the winger very well. And I think he could fill in that Steve Sudden role at left back if he doesn't re-sign. So I would give Brendan Houndstrup a six. Proudy? Uh, I think pretty much the same. Uh, I think, um, you know, Lee Brown's not really done a great job this season compared to last season. I think, um, you know, he's been too defensive probably uh, and hence why Seddon's come in um, and I think for uh, you know Brendan I think he's been uh, I think he's been like really good in the positions that he's played I mean he's got um, he's, he's got three assists this season in only 10 games and Lee Brown's only got one I believe or I don't think uh, Lee Brown's actually made an assist this season so I think that shows you like sort of the abilities of um, sorry the attacking abilities of both the players so I'd probably say Brandon is a six um, probably at I mean, I'm inclined to give him a seven just because he hasn't played that many. And even when he's played, he's performed pretty well. But I think, yeah, the lack of games probably brings him down to a six. Yeah, I, I don't think I can argue really. I, I, I was umming um, and ahhing then proudly over to give him a six, hound strip a six or a seven. Um, but yeah, he hasn't played enough at left back where I want to see him to be given him a, a seven, which I think is a consistent, a consistent above average sort of performance. So I'm gonna give I'll give him a six. And Lee Brown um, has not been as good as last season, um, so unfortunately he's going to get a five, which is below average as well. Um, lads, we have literally got a minute or two to summarise, and we haven't even got through the defenders yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> which basically means that everybody listening will try and get through the rest of them in another episode, um, which sort of makes sense. In fact, I'm looking at the squad now and there were actually quite a lot of players that we've already talked about that have been added to the squad, if that makes sense. So um, I reckon we can crack through the rest of this in another hour. So when I said it could be one episode, it's going to be three episodes now, everybody. Um, it's not just going to be <laughs> two. It's going to take us at least three hours to get through this uh, programme that I've programmed. So, until next time, everyone, from me, from Freddie, and from Proudy, play up Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now, available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle! <laughs>